from Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio, focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now, here's Bob. That's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made. Appreciate you all being with us. Hope you all appreciate hot weather here in the, uh, well, more, more than in the Diocese of Sacramento, just all over everywhere, the Bay Area, most of the state of California is that deep, dark red. My kids were showing it to me on the on the TV the other day, uh, just the, or on their cell phones, uh, just this heat everywhere. Well, it is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And we are glad to welcome in Kara Morales, who will be one of the keynotes at Ministry Days coming up on the uh, 23rd and 24th of September at St. Francis Catholic High School. Kara, good day to you. Thanks so much for joining us. Kara Morales joins us now. Uh, Kara, welcome to you. Thank you for having me. So excited to be here. Well, we're excited to have you, Kara, and I, uh, everybody's excited to have you at Ministry Days on uh, the 23rd and 24th of September at St. Francis Catholic High School right here in Sacramento. Kara, tell us uh, a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, let's see. I'm married. I've got three kids. And I have been in Catholic education for 20 years. Um, I started out as a young teacher straight out of college, and I taught theology for 10 years. Um, And then working with my students, especially the ones that were really, really struggling, I felt this deep call to walk with them in a new way. Uh, And so I got my master's in clinical psychology. Wow. And I am now a licensed, yeah, (laughs) kind of a big switch, um, but I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and licensed professional clinical counselor. Um, and I, I work with families. I work especially with adolescents. I'm very um, passionate about that age group. Um, and I work a lot with schools. I, I continue to work um, as a therapist uh, at a high school in Orange County because mm-hmm. uh, our students are struggling. So I'm really excited to be at Ministry Day. But at any time that we can gather Catholic educators together, it's just it's special momentous event and i'm honored to be a part of it yeah the, uh, kids are struggling I, explain that a little bit uh we uh <laughs> well until uh, a couple of our kids uh decided to have a birthday and are no longer teenagers um we had four teenagers in our <laughs> house during most of covid and mm. uh their responses in school in their activities in their friendships it varied dramatically from kid to kid. Um, it's, right. It seemed in our family to hit the boys, well, one boy, harder than the girls. Um, mm-hmm. And I heard that more in school too. I'm not sure if if that's just a stereotype or just a you know just a tale that didn't have any any facts connected to it. But <laughs> but it seemed as if. Our, our daughters were able, for the most part, to manage and manage the online and somehow keep their their friendships going and, and et cetera. And the boys just seemed to struggle more with it. They'd go in the bedroom and close the door and pull the covers over their head. Carrie, you there with us? I think we might have... Kara, I think we've lost our connection with you, so we will. We will. Tr- your body changing. I'm sorry. Oh, I think we lo- We were. We were getting some interference there. Oh, okay. I think the devil's in the details. Right. <laughs> Literally. I know, right? <laughs> uh, well, as I was saying, you know, I think um, COVID and pandemic it it challenged us all, right? Um, but I think for our kids and for our teenagers, it, it presented unique challenges that us as adults didn't necessarily have to navigate. Um, and I think one of the things, I mean, being a teenager, being a kid is tough as it is because your brain's changing, your body's changing. Um, and there's a really big difference between um, the male brain and the female brain and even just male-female development in the teen years. You know, so what you saw, how kind of your boys responded versus your girls, um, I absolutely saw that replicated in the high school setting and in my private practice. Mm. Um, 
And I think that, you know, coming out of pandemic, you know, we've seen an increase in um, social issues. Um, our kids and the teens, they missed out on a couple years of socialization. And they it's sure almost did. like they have to remember how to do it. Um, and, uh, you know, reading facial cues and, and social cues, I've, I've been having a lot of these conversations um, with young kids and teens of, what is it like to um, make a new friend or to find someone to sit with at lunch? You know, um, that can be one of the most harrowing experiences for a teenager, not knowing where they're going to sit at lunch. Um, and I think that we see also post-COVID a lot of increase in mental health struggles. Um, I think there was a mental health crisis before COVID, but that COVID just made it explode. I mean, we're seeing numbers of close to 50% of 13 to 25 year olds um, reporting symptoms of depression. Wow. Um, or intense, yeah, I know, 48%. I was reading that the other day, and more than 50% are reporting um, consistent, persistent loneliness and isolation, um, which, I mean, as human beings, we're created for relationship. And, and for over 50% of our teens to say, I feel alone. That's a crisis. Is there a a baseline we can compare this to from 5 or 10 or 20 or 30 years ago? Uh, Because it seems like we're hearing all this, like, uh, you know, and some people say, well, there's just more attention on it, or there's just more whatever, or is it really just a crisis right in front of us? Yeah, you know, and that's a great question. Um, I remember when I made the transition from teaching to therapy, I said to the high school I was at, I said, you know, it would be really kind of um, very forward-thinking to have on staff a therapist. You know, I think Mm -hmm. kids are struggling, let's help them. And this was back in 2010. And the school said, okay, let's try it out. And it seemed like every year the number of cases that were coming into the office was growing and growing and growing. And the question was, are we just giving it more attention and, and that's why we're seeing it or has this always been a problem and we just overlooked it or we weren't aware, you know? Um, I do think that a baseline number that was very common pre-COVID was around one in five. Mm-hmm. So around 20% of teenagers would meet the diagnostic criteria for depression. Um, and yes. that was pretty standard. Um, anxiety numbers were around 13 to 15% of teenagers. Um, and that data was probably from 2017-2018, but here we are now in 2022 and we're at 48% for depression. Wow. So and that's we hear, more than doubling. We hear that term anxiety a lot. And you know, I'm mm-hmm. having anxiety today. Um, and and sometimes as a parent or as a friend you, you, you're, you're tempted to say, well, you know, we all feel anxiety sometimes, you know, I mean, walking into that exam and um, not knowing how you're going to do, or maybe a first date or whatever it is, um, <laughs> uh, we're all going to feel anxiety. There's some normal to, I mean, uh, you know, uh, fight or flight, um, there's anxiety there, you know, but, but, but part of that is natural, right? And, and then, but you're talking about something that's, uh, more serious yes i think there there are the normal ups and downs of life absolutely that and you know like we'll feel sad right when someone passes away then it's very normal to feel sadness right um to feel grief um it's very normal to feel anxiety that or let's use the word stress it's normal to feel the word stress right of i have a big exam coming up first date and some stress is actually really productive for us as humans Mm -hmm. um even with the fight or flight response it helps us protect right to say "Mm, i am you know perceiving danger so i'm not going to go to that place right um so it's not that stress is bad per se the problem is is when the stress becomes unmanageable or Mm -hmm. the stress impairs one's ability to function Mm -hmm. um or what i'm seeing is when the stress becomes chronic And the reason that becomes a problem is because it changes the brain chemistry, where the brain is constantly in a state of fight or flight, but that's its baseline, versus the person's able to experience rest and reprieve from Mm -hmm, their stress. mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, you see people that uh, 
they basically freeze from the anxiety. They don't know they don't know which way to go, so they don't go anywhere. That's very true, and we see it's not just fight or flight, but there's that freeze response right. where they do nothing. There's even a fourth one that is talked about. It's called fawn, where you um, kind of go into overdrive to try and fix the problem. People-pleasing behavior kind of falls into that category. Um, it's kind of the opposite of the freeze response. And what's it um, called? And fawn, mm-hmm. like I'm fawning over something. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> So, yeah. So, I I had, I had a friend who was a psychiatrist since, uh, since retired, and so he would be he'd probably be eighty five or something now. So when he was practicing, probably started practicing fifty years ago or something, and he said, you know, it was back in the days of putting the person on the couch and going through their life history and all that stuff, and he says, now I'm just a pharmacist. Mm. Can you respond to that? Absolutely, yes. <laughs> um, I have two thoughts on that. One is I do think the field of mental health has become disjointed. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is each clinician is kind of pigeonholed into operating one way. So a lot of psychiatrists I hear say, yeah, I just do medication management. Mm-hmm. Um, or like as a therapist for me, right, that I only work in one lane. Like I don't do any testing. That's the role of the psychologist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that on one hand it might allow clinicians to specialize better, but for the consumer it feels very disjointed, you know. Um, but the other thing I see happening is we have seen a huge increase in the percentage of um, patients being medicated, especially children and teens. Mm-hmm. And it's a huge debate, you know. Um, it is, yeah. You know, should, yeah, it's a huge debate. And, and I tell all my clients, especially the parents I work with, like, this is not a conversation to enter into lightly. And people have really strong opinions on it, you know. Um, and there is a big difference between medicating an adult brain versus a child or adolescent brain. Um, but we have seen um, just a huge spike in the number of diagnoses being given, like ADHD, um, and then subsequent medication. And not to say that those are not real diagnoses or that medication is is not warranted. I'm not saying that at all. But it is interesting, right, that we see that it's almost like it's the first response Mm -hmm. um, that I hear from people. Well, I feel sad. I'm going to go on an antidepressant. Or I feel anxious. I'm going to go on anti-anxiety medication. Right. Um, And absolutely, medication can be beneficial, but so can therapy and behavioral modification. Um, And I think sometimes we don't always think about doing that. Um, So, yeah, I think your psychiatrist statement, I I hear actually from a number of psychiatrists. Yeah, and you know, you you can go back one more generation, and it was the good swift kick in the pants generation you know like oh they just mm-hmm. need to, you know i i had troubles in my youth and dad made me pitch hay all day you know kind of thing you know um you must you must hear all versions of that i bet oh yeah my grandpa's phrase was pull your bootstraps up kara yep <laughs> get get work done you know and so i always have that in my in my brain um <laughs> yes i think you know the generational um approaches they, they vary very differently um but one thing i will say like you said you were pitching hay all day long um you were outside you had physical movement going on mm-hmm. um today's kids don't have that they are inside more um they are on screen more um they are not moving their bodies and that combination of the lack of fresh air, the lack of sun, the lack of exercise, the lack of social interaction, you know, um, we're seeing that this generation, Gen Z, is the most, quote-unquote, connected generation because of social media, but they are also the most lonely because their um, connections feel superficial or their connections are not face-to-face, they're only virtual. And so... I think there's something to be said for, hey, 
things are going to be tough. Let's get outside. Let's get some fresh air. Let's move our bodies. Um, getting away from the screens, I think a lot of our kids and even us as adults benefit from that. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big believer and I've tried to pass it on to my kids and, and my wife is too, that, uh, that exercise, and there's a million different ways to do it, but regular exercise is just so good for you that it really, and I don't know, I mean, you talk about dopamine and all that, but, but just, uh, no, not dopamine. What is it? What is it? Uh, um, not dopamine. What, what do you get uh, in the brain when you exercise? Endorphins. Endorphins. Why did I say dopamine? That, is that, that's, a, that, that's a, for Parkinson's, right? Um, yes, dopamine is also another feel-good chemical that mm-hmm. is released in the brain as well. Yeah. So anyway, I, I think it's that plus a sense of accomplishment, a sense of worth. You know, like I, I ran two miles today. You know, I, I, you yep. just feel better. You breathe better. You think better. You, and that's got to affect your mood too. Oh, a hundred percent. And and I think that. There's even, I've seen um, memes out there that say how to hijack your brain, um, you know, and, and one of the number one ways to kind of use the chemicals of your brain for good is, is exercise mm-hmm. because there's just so much benefit to it, you know. Um, and I think, again, because of, you know, it's just, well, I want to sit on the couch, I want to play my screen, that we don't see our kids moving as much, you know. So the more that as parents we can encourage our kids, hey, get moving, get outside playing, get that fresh air, um, my my husband and I recently located to Idaho, and oh, one of our goodness. favorite things, yeah, it was kind of a big move from California, from Southern California, born and raised, um, but one of the big things we've seen in our kids is we're out, outdoors more, mm-hmm. and they're just happier kids. We're hiking, we're kayaking, we're in the mountains, um, and it's just, I, I wouldn't say night and day from my kids, but there's been a big shift in them, and, and I'm grateful for that. Well, where in Idaho are you? We are in Caldwell. It's about thirty minutes yeah. west of Boise. Yeah, I, I uh, met my, my I met my, my wife in Idaho, so I'm very I'm very partial to that state. Yes, you are. <laughs> yeah. But we met way up north at Priest Lake. Oh, I've heard that it is gorgeous up there. We haven't made it oh. up. Well, there they're actually they're yet, actually you know in, in, in southern Idaho they don't have any trees. In northern Idaho, it's all forest. Yes, yeah. yes, that's what I hear. Yeah, it's beautiful up there. Well, you're you're close now. You can take you can take a, a family road trip, and um, and everybody will feel better. <laughs> That's our plan. <laughs> yeah. So we're we're speaking with Kara uh, Morales, who is going to be one of the keynotes at Ministry Days, uh, September twenty third, a Friday, uh, September twenty fourth, a Saturday. Tell us uh, what your presentation will be about. Yeah, so um, on Friday I'm going to be speaking with uh, all of the Catholic educators about education in 2022. Um, I think today's modern times present unique challenges to us as educators, whether we're teachers or counselors. Um, There's some data coming out that we're seeing a drop-off in the number of people going into the field of education um, because it's just hard, and I think there's a lot of burnout um, but the other thing we see is that our students are just up against unique challenges. And how can we as educators, specifically as Catholic educators, respond to that? Um, you know, whether their home life is difficult or there's mental health stuff, um, tech stuff, and there's just a number of things that our, our kids face. Um, and really, I think the antidote, if you will, just that struggle of modern times is that we accompany our young people. Mm-hmm. Um, that I think accompaniment is the pastoral response to the brokenness we see in the world. And um, to be really, you know, tangible, what does it mean to accompany? You know, I think being connected to, to the Lord, being connected to community, um, finding deep meaning in life. Like, what is the purpose? What's our role here on this earth and then ultimately, you know, in heaven? Um, and to find a hope um, amidst suffering, because there's just so much suffering in our world, you know? And how do we as Catholic edu- educators uh, embody hope to our students and to the parents, to the families that we serve, the community, the church we serve at large? Um, I think 
is something people are craving for, longing for. You know, what does that hope look like? What does it feel like uh, to know that I'm not alone? Um, I think as Catholic educators, we've got to fill our souls up so that we can accompany um, our students and their families. Uh, and I, that's why I think Ministry Days is, is such a powerful event. Um, but really, I just want to encourage and join in with educators saying, hey, we're all in this together. Let's, let's love our students, accompany them, and embody hope for them. Yeah, it's it's. You mentioned uh, God. You know our purpose in this world that we all have a purpose. It's comforting to me, even though I don't know my purpose, just to know that God does have a purpose for me. And maybe, mm-hmm. maybe I'm fulfilling it in some way that I don't even know. You know, at least I'm I'm, I'm open to it. Like like it's my prayer every day, Lord have me do today I, I don't know what it is you want me to do today i don't have a grand plan but uh, have me do what it is you want me to do today uh, and and maybe it's mm-hmm. it's an encounter with some person some some magic word you happen to say that helps them or or you know or something they say to you that helps you um but you know <laughs> i'm uh, i i swim every day and i'm the slowest person in the pool and I, I, uh, I tell people, I said, God put me here to make you all feel better about yourselves. <laughs> because they all look like Olympians compared to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. sometimes I think you might, you might well be doing what the mission God has for you without even knowing it. I agree. And I, and I love your perspective on purpose because I think sometimes we'll think, I have to figure out what's the one thing, you know, like, is it, is it this career choice or for young people, like, oh, I'm going to go to this college, you know, I got this one purpose, but I think our purpose is, um, it it can have different themes each day or each season of our life, you know, um, like I often think about vocation and Mm -hmm. how, um, like my purpose as a wife is to help my husband get to heaven. Right? Mm-hmm. And for him to help me. And that, that's one aspect of the purpose I have in, on, on this earth, you know. And then as a mom, what's my, what's my purpose there? You know, to help raise my kids to be saints. Um, what's my purpose as a therapist? What's my purpose as a neighbor? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that when you kind of expand the vision of, of what is my purpose, could it be just I'm offering a smile to someone who may not see that, you know? Um, I'm offering kindness to someone who might be really struggling mm-hmm. today. I mean, it's just a beautiful way to envision being the hands and the feet of Christ. You know that that's really our purpose, right? Absolutely. You know, you, you I, 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 I don't act this way intentionally, but it's amazing when you do happen to say something that makes somebody laugh or smile. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, just a, 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 a chance encounter. Um, I, I know I was at the gas station today, in addition to the high cost of gas, but here in Sacramento, it was about 111 today. And, yeah. you know, and, and it, it was the middle of the afternoon, and and I, I pulled into one stall with my daughter, and somebody pulled into the stall right behind me um, alone, and she gets out, and we're both pumping gas, and we're just sweating, and it's just brutal. And I said, I think it's okay to turn the engine on and turn, <laughs> and turn the air conditioner on. <laughs> and, and we both laughed, you know. And yeah. in that instant, when you're laughing, you do not have a care in the world. Yeah. You could have terminal cancer, I think. And when you're laughing in that minute, it's just like that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's even a whole science about about laughter and humor and even smiling. Mm-hmm. Just the act sure. of smiling releases chemicals in the body and the brain that lifts our mood. Um, and what a simple thing we can do, right? Like yeah. you, you said a sentence and it sparked this joy for both of you. Mm-hmm. Um, what a gift that is, you know, and, and what a ripple effect that then can have, right? To take a sweltering moment where you're melting <laughs> to find a little joy and levity. I mean, that's wonderful. Yeah. And you're right about, about ripple effect. That's, that's, man, that's for sure. You know, the old, 
we we were explaining to our kids the other day. Uh, one of them said, "What's the Hatfield and the McCoys?" You know, and we said, "Oh, that's you know, like two groups holding grudges against each other, and they did something to you, and you're going to do something worse back, and and mm-hmm. and somebody has to break the cycle, you know, and mm-hmm. and it it works in reverse just as well. You you laugh with somebody, or 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 just a, a tiny act of kindness or you're standing behind somebody at 7-Eleven and you strike up a, a mini conversation about anything, uh, a headline in the paper or, or maybe they bought a lottery ticket or something. And, and you just, you know, you just strike up that conversation and it, it, uh, they feel better. They go out and they're, they're nicer to somebody and on you go. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just so important if, I mean, you look at, our world, how, how divided we are in so many ways now. I mean, I think people have trouble agreeing on what day of the week it is. You know, it's like. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree with you. And I think there's lots of ways to find division, you know. And, and so to take the opposite and say, how can I find unity or how can I find connection? That's yeah. a word I find myself reflecting on a lot. Is how can I connect, whether it's. With my husband, my kids, my neighbor, someone in the carpool drop-off line at school, mm-hmm. someone at the gas station, um, because division leads to disconnection, right? Yep. So if I can reverse that, and it's just, like you said, you're standing in line at the, at the grocery store, you know, and, and you chat with someone. Um, my youngest is four, and he has lots of opinions. And he has no problem telling perfect strangers about it. And we were in Hobby Lobby today, and I can't, I can't remember what he was saying. He was saying something about a sign. And the lady in front of him just turned around. She started cracking up because she's like, oh, my gosh, that was the funniest thing I've heard today. Uh-huh. Um, you know, my little four-year-old, right? Like, That's great. Like, enjoying the someone's life connection, you know. And I think, yeah, our world needs more of it. You know, more connection, more laughter, more joy, more kindness. Because, yeah, oh, okay. man, there's a lot of opposite kid kids can say uh just about anything they want to and get forgive you know forgiven because they're just, they're just being look look at that guy's weird hair mom you know it's like oh, uh-huh. well, okay <laughs> he said it i didn't you know but i remember there used to i mean yeah. i'm really dating myself but years ago there was a guy named art linkletter had a national show and one segment of it was kids say the darndest things and he would go out on the street and interview but like four-year-olds you know and ask them yep. questions about the issues of the day and things like that and it was it was really it's probably it's probably you can find it somewhere you know and it was it was just hysterical stuff have you been to minister this ministry days before i have not i have been to um saint francis before uh-huh. um but i have not been to ministry day, ministry days for the diocese it's a it's a wonderful event, usually around a thousand people. And the, the diocese of Sacramento is kind of like the diocese of Boise. Uh, you, it's it's a huge diocese, and uh, mm-hmm. um, and and very diverse as 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 your diocese would be as well. And people come from all. I, I remember I did a I didn't I was never a keynote, but I was uh, conducted one of the workshops, you know, in, in a classroom. And it was about the domestic church, and I, I brought uh, my daughter, I think, was about a fifth grader then, and I talked about, you know, we would uh, go over the scriptures, the readings for, for Sunday Mass on Saturday, not in some big formal, we're going to sit down and, you know, have, spend two hours going, we're just going to do this casually, uh, maybe mm-hmm. over dinner, and it was amazing how the next day in mass, because our, our kids are like, four of them are just like a year apart, you know, so you had a, a, a nine, an eight, a seven, and a six, or something like that, and mm-hmm. how they would perk up, oh, I know this story, I know about the prodigal son, or I, I know about mm-hmm. uh, Mary and Martha, or or whatever it is, you know, the the, the wine at, at Cana, et cetera, and, and and then we could we could it wasn't required but we could discuss it on the way home either well that's not quite the way I remember it last night over dinner but it it, it engaged mm-hmm. them enough that in mass they weren't fidgeting they weren't wondering where the Cheetos were you know they they <laughs> were were paying attention and engaged in 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 the good word 
you know. And yeah. and uh, anyway, we were uh, we were talking at, at ministry days. I was explaining that that was one of the things we did. And every time I lied, my daughter would just nod and say, yeah, Dad, that is what we do. Every Saturday we do that. <laughs> and sometimes Dad's <laughs> watching a football game or something on Saturday night. But uh, right. um, but. And then people would raise their hand, and I remember this one woman from Wairika, which is almost in Oregon. Um, just she, she said, "Well, this is what we do in our family." And I went, "Wow, that's really interesting." You know, I mean, the old, you know, uh, I, I, I knew from the moment I started that everybody in the room was smarter than I was, but they were also really engaged, you know, and yeah. it was just a, it was just a wonderful give and take learning experience. Um, uh, I was no more a teacher than a student, you know, it was just a great, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, back and forth. And, and that's sort of the way ministry day days is obviously different for a, for a keynoter, but, um, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful event. And like I say, people, we have 20 counties in the diocese of Sacramento and people will come from wow. all the counties. And of course the, the, the Friday with the school teachers, the the kids all love it because they get the day off. <laughs> so, <laughs> so well, yeah. we are tremendously looking forward to you coming here, and so have a have a safe journey. And uh, you know, if, you. if if I was living where you are, I'd pack up the family van and drive. I just love that drive from from southern Idaho. <laughs> through through parts of Oregon and Northern California it's uh, I I know you probably don't have the time to do that right now but that's a that's a wonderful drive yeah. it's a wonderful drive yeah my husband and I actually talked about it mapped it out um yeah. well you can go through have, Nevada or you can go through Oregon it's a, there's a lot of ways to get here yeah it's very beautiful our our kids play football so they'd have to miss uh-huh. football on Friday night and they were not excited about that so I'll bet not. we're gonna have to do that journey another time yeah well that, no i understand about the sports and kids especially the kids who've gotten older you know it's just like mm-hmm. it becomes all-encompassing it's it's it does. yeah but it's fun it's fun and yeah. do they play so do you have some at the high school level no my oldest is uh in fifth grade okay so, so, playing, so it's like uh, a pop warner or whatever they call it there yeah 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 that's fun yeah. Well, Kara, we, uh, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, safe journey here, and we'll look forward to seeing you on the 23rd and the 24th of September. Thank you. I'm very much looking forward to it. Thanks, and God bless you and your family. You too. Have a great night. You too. That's Kara uh, Morales, who will be here uh, for Ministry Days. Real Presence, Real Life, Friday, September 23rd, for all our te- great teachers in the Catholic schools. And then Saturday, September 24th, all at St. Francis Catholic High School. Uh, also, uh, Father Daniel Williamson uh, is a Eucharistic preacher. We'll be, be here. Father Michael T. O'Brien, a witness to unity. Pedro Rubalcava, uh, Grammy-nominated. Uh, go to ministrydays.com, or you can call 916-733-0139. to sign up. Uh, We'll take take a quick break. Back with more on the Bishop's Hour right after this. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the St. Vincent de Paul Society. Drop by and shop at the thrift store, a beautiful, beautiful thrift store at 2275 Watt Avenue. Open Mondays through Saturdays from 10 to 8 and Sundays from 11 to 6. They also accept donations at the store, donations of furniture, appliances, clothing, books, everyday household items. Your donations help to fund the many projects of the St. Vincent de Paul Society throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Do such wonderful, wonderful work, and the thrift store is uh, one of the the ways they uh, raise the funds to help people throughout the diocese, and also uh, many of their clients are able to access the uh, thrift store for uh, items that they need. You can uh, give them a call. They will come pick it up as well, but you can uh, give them a call. They're at 916-972-1212. And remember, again, the thrift store is open uh, seven days a week at 2275 Watt Avenue right here in Sacramento. Well, Bishop Soto refers to Christ the King Retreat Center as the jewel of the diocese, and indeed it is. What a beautiful oasis it is. It's located in Citrus Heights, uh, 
right in the hustle and bustle of the city and you feel like you're getting away from it all when you uh, turn off the main road and just uh, uh, come into Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center. Christ the King has served Northern California and the Diocese of Sacramento for over 60 years through parish weekend retreats individual spiritual direction, and a variety of other programs. For information on all the programs that they offer, including residential programs, give them a call. They're at 916-725-4720, or you can visit them at 6520 Van Maren Lane in Citrus Heights. And we certainly thank uh, the St. Vincent de Paul Society and Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center for their fine and longstanding support of the Bishop's Hour. Hi, this is Laura Lynn, Assistant Director for Lay Formation, and you are listening to the Bishop's Hour with Bob Dunning. Thanks, Laura Lynn, for that wonderful introduction, and thanks for all the great work you do here in the Diocese of Sacramento. It's invaluable. Well, Paulette, Paulette Wiley joins us from the Bishop Gallegos Maternity Home. Big doings happening this weekend, not at the home, but in El Grove. Paulette, good day to you. Good day, Bob. How are you doing? Doing very, very uh, fine. Um, Trying to stay cool? <laughs> well, yeah, I've got built-in air conditioning. I grew up in the valley, so it's just another day in paradise. You know, You're part a, lizard. Well, you know, <laughs> when I was a kid, and I'm really dating myself, we, we didn't have air conditioning. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the horse-drawn ice truck would arrive with a big chunk of ice. <laughs> and we just all put our feet on the ice and 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 survive. There you go. Don't you wonder what they did though during like the gold rush and those? Oh, yeah. t- I mean, it got just as hot back then as it is now, you know, or or, right. or close to it certainly. And and those must have been some long summer days for people. I would think so. Thank goodness that we've got the air conditioning we do now. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, uh, so yeah, we are having our exciting little event this weekend in the nice, cool, air-controlled climate of Armand's Palace <laughs> down there in Elk Grove. I love, I love the name Armand's Palace. It's, I know, right? Yeah, <laughs> it just creates a conjures up visions in your head. Is what I mean. You know, my my daughter who came with with me last year is like as we're driving to it. We were like, and she of course had had. Had her phone tell, okay, take a right here, Dad. Take a left there. You know, do this, uh-huh. and it, and we both had this image of what it was going to look like. You know, like the Taj Mahal <laughs> or what's it right. look like? You know, and it was a beautiful facility. And yeah, it is. It's yeah. very nice inside. Yeah, very very nice, and the people were nice, and uh, food was great, and the, the just the whole. I, I wish I could explain it well enough to people that that the it's. Uh, it's a very inspiring evening, but it's also a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. You know, I think the fellowship of the evening is really yep. what makes it the event that it is. You know, um, from people getting together who are from each other's parishes, you know, whether they're buying tables together or tickets right. together, right. to even those folks who are, you know, single ticket holders or come with a cu- another couple uh, and get sat at different tables, they all seem to have such a wonderful time. You know, I had such great feedback last year um, to meet even new people, and everyone has uh, an affinity towards the, the ministry and the work that we do at BGMH. So, you know, it's just it just really is a wonderful evening of fundraising, but really fellowship um, is a big part of that. Yeah, and I... even being able to meet the women um, who are at the home, um, and their babies too to be there and to share that with us is just—it's just a great time. It's—it's—it's it's, it's almost like all hearts there beating as one. You know, I mean, in in such a divided world, it's kind of like sitting in the rooting section at the football game, and everybody's rooting for the same team. You know, it's like—it's like we're all on the same page here. We all are yeah. here to support the work of 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 the home and to support these women. And we're doing it joyfully, you know. We're we're doing it because we love it, and we love them, and it's just it is just a it's it's I've never seen gone to an event and seen just so many smiles. Well, and I love the fact that and that you said and we love them. 
mm-hmm. um, because I don't, I can't tell you how many times over the last four years that I let our residents know, you have no idea how many people love you. You know, mm-hmm. all of our benefactors, our donors, um, our volunteers who come through, you have no idea of the scope of the love that they have for you um, in order to help provide this. Uh, and the dinner is that time for those residents who are still with us during this time of year to be able to get to see that and witness that love because that's that's exactly what it is, you know. So I love that you said that. Well, Paulette, tell us, and thanks for that, tell us, um, for those that don't know, haven't haven't heard the show before, haven't heard you on, tell us about uh, the home and, and the uh, the mission and how it started, et cetera. Sure. So um, Bishop Agus Maternity Home is a shelter for homeless pregnant women. And it was 30 years ago, um, this is our 30th anniversary, uh, Bishop Francis Queen had approached uh, some women for the Catholics for Life um, and said that, hey, there's this need in our community for this type of shelter for home for pregnant women. Um, and they basically took the ball and ran with it. And, um, you know, we've been in operating the, the, our maternity home now for 30 years. Um, in 2020, we were able to expand with the purchase of a transitional home um, and open up that home in 2020 uh, for women who needed a little extra time. And so when women come to us at the maternity home, you know, they're um, given all sorts of different tools and access to uh, our community partners. They do parenting classes. They do domestic violence workshops. Um, We'll get them to their alcohol and drug um, rehabilitation if that's what's needed, outpatient rehabilitation. Um, If it's something more serious, we'll even house them waiting for their program, their inpatient program to start for them. Uh, We'll do uh, AA meetings, um, all sorts of just the basic services and things to get them as well as get them to their OB appointments Mm -hmm. and, you know, if they need to go to the hospital or any of those other tests that they need to have done. Once the baby's here, we take them to their their pediatrician appointments. So, you know, we provide that transportation as well. We have um, community partners that provide counseling for women. Um, And so those are all the things that they do. Uh, And when they're with us, you know, they're contributing as well to the home. They have a daily chore that they do. They have a weekly cook night because the the residents all have dinner together. Um, And then in the transitional side, because, you know, they're transitioning now to um, living on their own, um, at that home, they're actually required to um, either work or go to school or a combination of the two for Mm -hmm. 35 hours a week. And so, and then there we're helping them also get the services that they need for childcare and things like that. So we're we're we've got case managers that meet with them um, weekly, so that they just bring them along the way um, to that progress. If this obviously is a fundraiser, um, if if you had an unlimited budget. Would you just serve more clients, or would there be other things that you would be able to do? I would, I would say there would be other things to do. I would say a little bit of both. Um, it is a unique, uh, it is a unique uh, ministry in the sense that um, because of the intensity of the care that we try that we are trying to provide. Um, it's hard to water that down with a lot more people, if that makes kind of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly being able to provide more services. And, you know, I've always talked about those dreams. <laughs> um, what if you ha- could have, you know, infinite amount of money? Uh, one of the things I find um, interesting with our residents is because they're so, um, they've been, through the ringer, so to speak, um, they're very cautious, as they should be, with trust and things like that. Um, one of my big dreams would be if, if the program could grow and grow and continue, I would love to provide a child care um, just because, you know, when they're in their classes or when they're working or going to school, just on-site 
childcare, I think would be wonderful. Um, just so that they can have that uninterrupted attention to give those sorts of things, mm-hmm. you know, if someday. <laughs> <laughs> if someday. Because, you know, that's a big obstacle for women, especially who have been victimized. I mean, it's a big obstacle for many mothers, right, leaving their child um, in a daycare oh, to sure. go to work or do whatever. Um, but I think by the time they've spent so much time with us at BGMH, there's really that trust and that comfort level because we are like another home. We are like a home for them, right? We become like family. Um, and so it's just easier. It's an easier transition, so to speak, uh, to make, um, you know, for, for a program to grow in that respect. But, you know, what it could have hopefully someday maybe. <laughs> are, there, are there some women that <coughs> that it just doesn't work for? Oh, of course. Mm-hmm. Of course. I think um, you really do have to be ready um, and an active participant, mm-hmm. um, you know, because if not, we do ask you to do things, right? We ask you to behave in a certain way. We ask you to um, contribute to the home in a productive way. Um, and so sometimes people aren't ready for that. Um, sometimes... Um, there's some mental health issues, you know, that are struggles that become a, a barrier to that. And we, and we try to do whatever we can in order to help facilitate um, care and that sort of thing. So, but there are people who just aren't ready for it. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're just not ready to follow anybody's rules. <laughs> so, but, you know, at least we could be arrested for them and move on from there, you know, to give them... Okay, you can try this, this, and this. So, the uh, how many women can you serve at one time? Uh, the trans the transitional home can ha- it has six beds, mm-hmm. uh, and they're all private rooms. And um, we used to have twelve beds at the maternity home, but um, there were two rooms that were shared, so we had four four beds. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now with COVID, we've actually taken it back to, so it's 10 beds, but they're all private rooms now. And do you have waiting lists? Um, we, we, we have had waiting lists in the past right now. Um, it, we've been doing a pretty good job with keeping up with people. It's really about getting people calling back to us, too, mm-hmm. and following up because we've had a number, again, like kind of what you mentioned that no-show sort of, we have that, I'm, I think I'm ready, but I'm not quite ready yet. Mm-hmm. We have, a, we almost have a full house right now. Um, but kind of, I always also mention it's kind of like childcare, you know, not that they're babies. But when you have certain women with different needs or maybe some mental health issues, it's kind of like a ratio, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because it becomes um more, uh, there's more attention needed by staff or there's more appointments. So we kind of have to play that balance as well. Um, you know, if we, cause we are, we are small staff. We only have five women that actually are in the day to day trenches, mm-hmm. um, doing the work. So, uh, we have to be mindful of that as well. So how do, how do these women find you or how do you find them? Well, they find us. They've, through um, referrals, some of them have been referred to us from CPS. Some of them come to us through social workers in the hospital. They've, you know, come off the street with some complications. Um, they come to us. We've had women referred to us from the court system, from judges and lawyers, uh, from their rehab facilities. Um, and then again, sometimes it's just, you know, they've gone online and or word of mouth somewhere. Someone's told us something told them about us. Wow. It's just, it's so, it, it, it's just so heartening to think that, uh, I mean, where would they go if not for you folks? Right. And that's the big thing because there's a lot of programs out there, but you know, when you're pregnant, it's a whole nother ball yeah. of wax and, yeah. so, and many programs don't want to have to deal with that. Um, and so we are the only maternity home in the Sacramento area, mm-hmm. you know, down here in the valley. So, 
Are there? Uh, I know. The, uh, I know we have Mother Teresa up and uh, right up uh, the hill, up the hill in Placerville. Uh, mm-hmm. Are there others throughout the state that are similar to this? There are. There are. Like, there's a couple in the Bay Area, and I I know um, going south as well. But um, there's not a lot of us. Do you, Do you guys <laughs> put your heads together every now and then and talk shop yes, and try to solve problems? troubleshoot and yeah, stuff? we do share we share information we'll share um what's going on what do you need mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes clients you know if someone's moving up or needs to yeah you know that sort of thing as well so as i understand it we're going to have a very interesting keynote speaker on sunday night we are this year we are going to be graced with the presence of father dan mavigan and um, founder of Sacramento Food Bank and Family Services. Um, he is going to be doing some of his ramblings, <laughs> he is, he's famous for. I know he's got a speech, but <laughs> he's always, you know, famous for his Irish stories. Yes. So I'm sure we'll hear some of those. I, I remember one year um, when it was still at the Dante Club, and he came over to me and he said, have you seen my book yet? And I said, no. And he he ran out to the car. <laughs> and, and it was this, a book about all the Irish priests, I believe, in the in the uh-huh. diocese, you know. Uh-huh. Just fascinating. Yeah, yeah. He did a lot of research for that book. Yeah. yeah. You know, my mom's his volunteer secretary. <laughs> oh, is that right? <laughs> yes. Wow. They did a lot of research together. I know all the ins and outs. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I've said, I've said many times on the air that when I was growing up in this diocese, the, the term Irish priest was redundant. Everybody oh, right. was an Irish priest. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah, was, that book is tells you all the reasons why. <laughs> yeah. It's just, I mean, the con- contributions. And, and and then the Sisters of Mercy, who all came from Ireland, too. Yep. You know, yep. and... and uh, and just the, the the helping to shape this diocese in various various ethnic groups, it, it's changed throughout the throughout the years, you know. Um, right. But but way 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 early in in the history of California and and in, in terms of the Catholic Church, uh, there was there was certainly a lot of Irish clergy. That's for sure. Definitely. Uh, yeah. So it's just just exciting stuff. Paulette, are there, are there still tickets available? Um, we probably have just a couple seats available. Where in the palace would they be? <laughs> they, they will be in with everyone else. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah, there's no pecking order here. It's a whole <laughs> bunch of round tables. And, and right. the nice thing is you have no idea who you're going to sit with. I mean, you'll sit with your group if you're in a group. but right. If that's what you prefer. But every, every year I, I meet new people. Yeah, and so it's always, it's always, it's such a great time. You know, if, I just can't say it enough. And the and the food's pretty darn good. Yeah, the food is delicious. Yeah. So I'm almost nervous for this year because last year had we had such great reviews. Everybody, yeah. they loved it. So I was like, oh, it's kind of a hard hard thing to top, you know? <laughs> oh, I, I know. You know, you do you do the perfect one, and then you're worried about the next one's not going to be as perfect. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm a firm believer, and it's really the people that make the make the event. So, you know, I, and I just, I just, I want to see it grow, you know, to have people enjoy themselves and then tell their friends about it and have them come the next year and and get inspired because we have so there's so much bad news in the world, you know, to be able to come to our dinner um, and to hear some inspirational stories, you know, from to hear where they've come from and, and where they're going and, and what they want for themselves in their future. It's just, it's just a good night, you know, yeah, it's, it's in, just a good thing. Yeah. It's inspiring to me to see that uh, on the one side that there's a group of people who care enough to help these people, and then on the other side of it, to see the help these people have gotten and and how it has transformed their lives. It's just like you say, there's so many problems in the world that nobody seems to have an answer for, and this in a one-on-one uh, system, this works. It really does transform lives. 
Yeah, it does. And, you know, um, it's just that, you know, Jesus came back and gave us just two commandments. He just said, just focus, right? Um, and that love one another. Right. That's, that's what we do, right? That's what this night's all about. That's what these women are. And to be able to be a witness to God's transformative love in their lives is just something that's awe-inspiring. You know, you know it's from somewhere else. Is, um, is there a number people can call uh, at the last minute? Sure. Uh, you're going to want to call 916-395-9370, extension 105. Very good. It's always important to leave a message because um, there's not always someone at the desk, uh, but someone will get back to you. And added bonus, you get to see Armand's Palace in you Elk Grove. You get to see the palace. Yes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> It's wonderful. That's it's right. wonderful. We have fun with the name, but it is. It's it's palatial. And we it's, do. It's, it, it is. It's a good time. Yeah. Well, Paulette, we <laughs> will see you Sunday night. Thanks for all you do. You're in the vineyard doing the Lord's work. And, uh, Thank you. you. You don't know how many people. Uh, you know, it's it's that pebble in the pond. You <laughs> you help their lives, and they go out and they help other lives, and and it makes makes it a better world. So that's right. That's what we're all supposed to do, right? That's absolutely. what we're all doing. That's absolutely. what we're all doing. So well, God bless you and, and everybody there, and uh, we'll. Uh, I know you're going to have a full house on Sunday night. Thank you so much, Bob. God Thanks, bless Paulette. you and everyone listening. You, you have too. a great God, night. God bless. Cool. That's uh, Paulette Wiley, the uh, executive director of the Bishop Gallegos Maternity Home, their annual dinner this Sunday at Armand's Palace in Elk Grove. Uh, the event starts at 5 o'clock. And there are also some wonderful prizes and raffles and uh, that, that sort of thing as well. That's going to do it for us for today. Thanks for listening. God bless everyone. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the Mercy Foundation, enriching lives in the Sacramento region through Sisters of Mercy Ministries in health care, education, housing, and the care for the poor and elderly. For the Mercy Foundation, philanthropy is one of the most powerful expressions of compassion and love. Just as many people in our community need a hand, countless others are reaching out to them with comfort and hope. You can express your care and concern for the less fortunate with a gift to the Mercy Foundation. Uh, you can give them a call, 916-851-2700. That's 916-851-2700. And you can be confident that fully 100% of your contribution will support the Sisters of, ministry, of Mi Mercy Ministry or ministries that you choose. And what a wonderful treasure Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts has been for all of us here in the diocese as they uh, uh, transition uh, into uh, uh, new ownership and management. Uh, they continue to offer wonderful workshops, wonderful uh, uh, resources for the Catholic community throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Not only does Easter's provide a wide array of Catholic books, both current releases and longtime classics, but they also sponsor a number of valuable workshops and lectures throughout the year. They're, they're located at 6916 Sunrise Boulevard in Citrus Heights. Give them a call, 916-338-7272. We also receive a generous underwriting support by Crumley & Associates, a private wealth advisory practice of America Ameriprise Financial Services. If you have questions about retirement, Crumley & Associates can help you with their confident retirement approach that can help define a clear roadmap to get you where you want to go. You can uh, contact them, get all the details at Crumley & Associates, 7956 California Avenue in Fair Oaks. They're at 916-638-4600. That's 916-638-4600. Zero, zero. And we uh, are, are certainly uh, appreciative of the uh, fine and uh, longstanding support of the Mercy Foundation, of Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts, and of Crumley and Associates. We'd like to thank all the wonderful people and organizations, uh, businesses in town. 
uh, and throughout the Diocese of Sacramento who have provided underwriting for the Bishop's Hour, uh, some in the last few years, some uh, have been with us for a very long time. If you would like to be an underwriter for the Bishop's Radio Hour, uh, it's a wonderful opportunity to to support this mission and also to support the diocese and also uh, to get some uh, recognition for uh, your organization or for your business. The easiest way to do this is to uh, give us a shout, send us an email, radio at scd.org, and we can give you all the details about uh, helping to underwrite the Bishop's Radio Hour. Again, that's radio at scd.org.